Welcome back to Via the Source, where you can get news about the entire NFL and, of course, the Miami Dolphins. Fins up. Here's Steven, your host. What's up, guys? Hey, say This is January 5th. I'm Steven Masso. As always, you're listening to Via the Source. Now, in today's episode, we're going to be going over my recap of the game between the Tennessee Titans and the Miami Dolphins. This was a bummer of a game because it had some very serious implications for the Dolphins' playoff chances. So, with that being said, the Dolphins have been eliminated from the playoffs with this loss against the Tennessee Titans. They had a few situations that had to fall in their favor if they were to lose this game, but those did not happen. They also had the opportunity to win out, which would have essentially guaranteed them a playoff spot, and that did not happen in this game. So, in a lot of ways, it seems like this season is going to end with a pretty bitter taste in our mouth, much like last season with that huge, massive loss against the Buffalo Bills, this showing by the Miami Dolphins when they needed a win here, when this was a very important game, a winnable game, it seemed like on paper, even though many people would say they were underdogs, they came out here and they looked absolutely flat. Of course, if you look at the score and you see the offense only putting up three points, it's very clear where the majority of the blame has to go in this game. After the first quarter of that game, the Dolphins ran 13 plays on offense for a total of 20 yards. Overall, though, this was not a good game from quarterback to a tongue of Iloa. I don't care if you're the biggest Tua fan in the world. You know, I don't care if you don't want to go too hard on the guy and put all the blame on him. I'm not saying you have to do that, but let's just be real. This was not a good game from Tua Tungavailoa, and it was a game where he needed to do something. He needed to kind of leave his mark here and show what he means to this Dolphins franchise, and frankly, in this game, he wasn't able to do it. 18 for 38, 205 yards. He had an interception. He had several other plays that, frankly, should have been intercepted, and then he had three fumbles in this game, one of them which was lost. I mean, and on that play, the ball just slipped out of his hands. The conditions weren't great. A lot of people on Twitter were saying he should be wearing a glove. Overall, a ton of botched snaps, a ton of opportunities for the defense to make a play that he frankly got lucky with. There was one interception, or what should have been an interception, where it flat out hit the defender in his hands. It should have been picked. Overall, not a good game from Tua Tungavailoa, who wasn't really able to get the passing game going. He targeted both Devontae Parker and Jalen Waddle heavily. Both of them totaled 20 targets in this game, but combined, they only had seven catches in this one, the Dolphins' leading receiver was Mike Gesicki with four catches with 51 yards. So anytime that you're down by 30 points and your leading receiver has only 50 yards, that's typically a very, very bad sign. Now, as for the running game, it was pretty good in this one, but when you look at the kind of flow, when you look at the Dolphins being behind, it's clear that at that point, the running game is not going to be involved throughout the duration of this one. So Duke Johnson, while I will say the guy looks awesome, I love the burst he showcases. Frankly, I haven't seen a burst like that from maybe, you know, since the Lamar Miller day. I know Jay Ajayi had that power, but when you look at the acceleration that Duke Johnson brings, it's something that's been missing from this team for a long time. He had seven carries, 49 yards, an average of seven yards per carry. Miles Gaskin also had five carries for 23 yards. And overall, the running backs look pretty good in this one. It's just a shame because when you look at the scoreboard, it's clear that the Dolphins weren't going to be able to keep the running game involved throughout the duration. And then as we go to the other side of the ball, there were a lot of moments where the Dolphins defense actually looked pretty good. There were moments that it looked like the defense was the only thing keeping this team alive. But at the end of the day, my biggest concern
concern with this defense throughout the entire duration of the season has been their inability to stop guys on the ground. It seems like when there are those powerful running backs, all of a sudden the linebacker unit looks completely undersized, and that was the case in this one. Deontay Foreman is not Derrick Henry, but if you watched this game, you would have thought that he was a mirror image of the guy. Foreman in this game, 26 carries, 132 yards, 5.1 yards per carry, and a touchdown. But the stats, frankly, don't even do it justice. If you look at the way that he was running over some of these guys, Ryan Tannehill in this one, they put up 34 points, but he only had to throw 120 yards. A.J. Brown led the Titans in receiving with only 41. So again, you have to be able to shut down the run. I have a ton of positive things throughout the course of the season to say about the defense, especially some of those younger guys. But anytime you're in a situation like this where the opponent without their star running back can still just run all over your defense at will and not even have to throw the ball but still put up this amount of points, that's not a good sign. And that was kind of one of the things I was worried about. And I mentioned too that the next game against the New England Patriots, we all know what's coming. Yeah, Mac Jones isn't necessarily a gunslinger. They're going to want to run the ball with Damian Harris. They're going to want to run the ball with Ramon J. Stevenson. We know what's going to happen. So the Dolphins are going to need to find a way to address that by next week. Now, now, as we get into some of my bigger takeaways in this one, the first one, of course, is that the Dolphins are eliminated from playoff contention. So a lot of people are already going to start to make their final evaluations on the season. Was it a success? Was it a failure? And frankly, it's very hard to say because if this was the second year in this rebuild, then okay, this would have been somewhat acceptable. The way they fought back, there were a ton of moments that looked kind of fun and that you were rooting for some of these guys, especially the younger core group of guys like Javon Holland, Jalen Waddle, Jalen Phillips, those guys were fun to watch, especially during the middle part of the season. But at the same time, that doesn't mean that we could simply brush aside the bad moments because there were a lot of bad moments. This was supposed to be a season where the Dolphins were in contention. This wasn't supposed to be something that we looked at and say, okay, this is an evaluation period. We got to see what the potential is here. This was supposed to be a season that was more solidified. But if we look at the beginning portion of the season, and all the way up until the midpoint. The Dolphins were, you know, indisputably one of the worst teams in football. We can't turn a blind eye to that. When they lose games like the one against Jacksonville that ended up costing them towards the tail end of the season. So I'm not going to sit here and try to argue in favor of whether you should view this season as an absolute failure or as an absolute success. Because like I said, there were, uh, you know, moments that the people want to look at this optimistically can point at, like Javon Holland being great, Jalen Waddle breaking uh, rookie reception records. If you look at uh, guys like Jalen Phillips and all of that stuff, a ton of good things. The way Brian Flores was able to turn around the defense and kind of put them back in that championship form towards the tail end of the season. That was all awesome to see. But at the same time, we can't turn a blind eye to things like the offensive line, which was in shambles throughout the majority of the season. It looks like uh, the young guys they had from last year regressed heavily. And then some of the younger guys they plugged in here were not great. Is that a misjudgment of uh, talent? Is that poor coaching? It seems like a lot of the guys they let go went to other teams and started looking really good. Or if you look at the receiver unit, I mean, on paper, we knew at the beginning of the season, some of these guys are studs. We know what Devontae Parker could be. We know what Will Fuller could be. But we also knew if there was any issues with these guys, it was going to be staying on the field. And when you take into consideration, I mean, we're still in the middle of a pandemic. Depth on a team right now is extremely valuable 
Campbell, and the Dolphins had a handful of guys here across the roster whose biggest issue was staying on the field, and that also came back to bite the team with the receiver unit kind of regressing back to how it was last year, and there being a ton of talent missing from this group. And then, of course, a lot of people are going to point to the running back position. How come you can pick up Duke Johnson and Philip Lindsay at the end of the season, and they instantly look better than anybody who was on the roster at the beginning portion? So while there was a ton of good things to like during that impressive win streak, there was also some very serious red flags during that time period where the Dolphins were just one of the worst teams in the league. And I'm pretty sure, you know, if you're listening to this, I mean, you may already have your mind made up. I can't change that if you want to look at this from an optimistic viewpoint or from a more realistic or more negative kind of viewpoint. I can't change that. But I understand. I think both approaches right now are valid and I can understand why some people are frustrated. And then the last takeaway I kind of want to talk about here is Tua Tungavailoa. And this is very similar because a lot of people are already going to have their minds made up. Some people from day one, they knew they didn't like what Tua Tungavailoa had to offer. And it seemed like in the beginning portion of Tua's career, it was more negative than good for a lot of it. There was a lot of moments where there was some to be desired, but recently during the middle portion of the season, Tua was able to pick it up. He was able to find a rhythm. He kind of developed this identity as being a precision quarterback. He may not have the cannon of an arm, but he was precise. His completion percentage was extremely high. And a lot of people were able to find some sort of positive in that, but that doesn't take away from the other negatives that maybe it seems like when it comes to reading a defense, he doesn't do it well enough, or when it comes to extending the field, it, le it seems like he is reluctant to do so, and in those big moments, he hasn't necessarily proven that he could be the guy consistently, and even though I think he does still have a relatively small sample size, he could continue to grow. A lot of people would argue he needs a better offensive line. That's valid. He needs weapons more than just Jalen Waddle. That's also pretty valid. He needs a running game that is somewhat functional. That's all just completely valid approaches and takes to have. But at the same time, those negatives that Tua Tungavailoa has displayed, I can't say for certain those are ever going to go away. And I could understand why some people look at this roster, they look at the defense, how strong it has been, and say, I just wish we had a quarterback that was in that elite category. And Tua Tungavailoa, you know, he could get there, but as of right now, he is definitely not there. So again, like the approach with the entire team and the coach and the GM. It's hard for me to sit here and tell people to be patient with Tua Tungavailoa when I understand where they're coming from. I mean, this is a fan base that has been starved of success for so long. I mean, at this point, we don't even want Super Bowls at this point. We're just begging for playoff appearances, let alone wins. We just want to reach the playoffs. So it's hard for me to tell people that they just need to be patient a little while longer because at the end of the day, I mean, we're all fans of the same team. And I think we could all understand where even some of the more frustrated fans are coming from when they say these things that they want the success now and they're willing to do whatever it takes to get it because they don't want to be patient any longer. So I understand that. So guys, I would love to know what you guys think. As always, you can reach out to me on Twitter. That is at ShadySteven and at via the source. I would love to know what you guys think. Feel free to drop a follow on there. If you enjoyed the episode, please leave a review on the Apple Podcast app. It would mean a lot. But guys, that is how I'm going to wrap up today's episode. Until next time, I'm Steven Masso, and this was via the source.